At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like my Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Los Angeles CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Get paid faster with Bet Rivers Rush Pay. Daily boosts, special offers, great customer service, plus a $250 first-time sign-up bonus. Make Bet Rivers your hometown sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers app or visit BetRivers.com for details. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Good news on that Clippers bet we talked about on Monday's show for the Monday night game, Clippers versus the Trailblazers. The Clippers were two and a half point favorites up to three before game time. No Dame Lillard in the mix. Final score, 102 to 90. The Clippers, yes, that means the Clippers minus two and a half cashed. So hopefully you were on that, or maybe you stayed away. And if you bet against me, then I hope you learned a lesson. Just kidding. Uh, also, the under cash, the total landed at uh, around 215 before game time. So obviously 192, the final amount of points scored there. So also an under game. You got to love that Clippers defense. NBA has been going well for me so far, which is good to say because NFL last weekend was a little bit of a mess. A little bit of a mess. Uh, we'll talk more NFL, though, in today's show. First, Giants at the Chargers. This is a nice game for the Chargers to have after they just bounced back versus the Bengals. And also, we'll talk a little bit of Monday Night Football, Rams at the Cardinals. And we're going to bring in a guest to do it. v host Wes Reynolds. He is just an encyclopedia as a human. Like, he's an encyclopedia, sports encyclopedia, pop culture, what have you. Uh, he's going to be on here to talk all things Chargers and Rams. And then the future 
of USC football. We're going to bring in Chris Trevino, USC writer for uscfootball.com. He also does recruiting work as well for 24-7 sports. And I believe when I talk to him also that he's going to be starting to cover a little bit more USC basketball as well this year. So maybe we'll bring him back on for that as well. But today we're going to talk... USC, how their season looked, and more importantly, what their future looks like with Lincoln Riley. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at Bat River Sportsbook for the NFL. Giants at Chargers. Chargers a 10.5 point favorite. Total sitting at 44.5. And, and then Monday Night Football. We're going to get into all of this right now. Uh, but Monday Night Football Rams at the Cardinals. Cardinals a 2.5 point favorite on Bet Rivers. 51.5 is the total. Down a little bit from 52 on Monday. You can find all these odds at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Now let's welcome in Wes Reynolds, host from VSIN. You can find him on Betting Across America, The Green Zone, which is all day on Sunday, 10 to 5 p.m. He's everywhere on VSIN, and he knows uh, so much information. I don't know how it all fits inside his head. Wes, thank you so much for joining me. Danielle, always a pleasure. Glad to be on the CityCast finally with you. Uh, glad you're back out in L.A. and uh, very happy to be home. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Wes was uh, one of my absolute favorite people that I got to meet out in Vegas when I was there. And I've been waiting to get him on the pod, but you were just in high demand. You're everywhere. Oh, I'm, I'm not important <laughs> around the network, Danielle. You flatter me so. He's our utility player. He can do it all. He knows it all. But today, we're going to just limit you to just the NFL and just the LA teams here on the Los Angeles CityCast. So let's start with the Chargers. Giants at the Chargers this week. Chargers looking like a 10.5-point favorite at Bet Rivers here. Total sitting at 44.5. And, and this is interesting, right? Because the Chargers just kind of came off of that bounce-back win for them versus the Bengals. And we were talking about this before we started recording, but you actually had a bet on them last week. What made you want to bet on that Chargers team? Because I didn't want to be anywhere near them. Really, it was the, kind of the price, Danielle. And I think it wasn't mm -hmm. really a play on the Lightning Bolts. It was really more of a play against the Bengals just because mm -hmm. I thought that they had played kind of like an easier schedule and they also came off sweeping Pittsburgh which is like a big deal for a Bengals team that hadn't really done that very much in the last several years so you know they come off that win in the division now they're at home Joe Burrow and I saw him here a couple weeks ago when they played at Allegiant Stadium against the Raiders and you look at that Bengals score, 32 to 13. So you're like, okay, blowout, right? It really wasn't. It was really very close when you look at like the yardage stats and yards per play and all of that stuff. But what I noticed in that game, even though the Bengals won, Joe Burrow was taking a beating in that. Mm -hmm. He was taking a lot of hits, but credit to him, he took a licking and kept on ticking. But one of the main reasons I played the Chargers last week because Cincinnati. They had two offensive linemen starters out. They had Trey Hopkins and they had Riley Reef out. And one of the things that I found during this year is that offensive line injuries aren't always accounted for in the market. You know, we always account right. for the quarterback or the receiver or the running back. But these teams that get banged up on the offensive line, they don't cover a lot of numbers. So that was the reason I uh, elected to go with the Chargers last week. Well, it was a great call, obviously, and good for them. They got that bounce back spot. Uh, and so good on you because I have been literally zigzagging. I, every time the Chargers cover a spread, I miss it. And every time I'm on them, they do not even come close to covering. So it's pretty much been fade my picks when it comes to the Chargers lately. But hopefully we can get back on track this week. When we look at the game this week, though, Giants 
I mean, not a very tough opponent. I just feel bad for this team at this point. Uh, obviously, couldn't get their offense going last last week. They lost twenty to nine to the Dolphins. They're six and six ATS this season, four and eight straight up. And who will start at quarterback is the question for this week for them because they already had their backup in Mike Lennon, who suffered a concussion during the game. Daniel Jones has been dealing with a neck strain. He got checked out on Monday. Doesn't look like he's going to go. So third string quarterback, who I'm sure we're all well versed in a uh, different team's third string quarterbacks, but Wes Reynolds, who's going to be in for the Giants? It looks like it's going to be. Uh... Uh, Jake's from State Brom. Jake Brom. <laughs> uh, uh, he sounds, uh, he, she sounds hideous, right? He's, yes, he's, he's he been, does. He's been wearing the khaki pants, but he's going to be wearing the helmet and shoulder pads, it looks like, on Sunday. Look, uh, Georgia Bulldog <laughs> fans, though, I think would like to have him back. They were a little disappointed with Stetson Bennett against Alabama on, uh, on Saturday, but it looks like it's going to be from as of right now, Glennon still questionable so he can maybe clear that concussion protocol but it's not going to be daniel jones he's going to be out for at least a couple weeks with that cervical injury so it's going to be either glennon or it's going to be from and it's been adjusted already in the market if you look at westgate superbook i know that they put uh chargers minus seven on the look ahead line and that look ahead line is usually released 10 days before the following week's game. So this came out November 30th. Now, as this got repriced on Sunday, you're looking at 10 and a half and then it's kind of triggered back but or wiggled back between 10 and a half and 10. So the adjustment that's made that it's either going to be Glennon or from if it's Glennon, maybe this goes down by about a half a point, but I don't see it changing very much. And, when you look at it, Danielle, and I've had success with this team over the last couple of years, the Giants, this is their best role, really, against the spread as a road underdog. Look, they covered against the Saints. They not only covered, but they won against the Saints. They covered against the Chiefs as a big uh, road underdog. Didn't do so against Dallas. But I think uh, I saw a trend. I thought they were like 19-5 and against the number as a road underdog over the last four years. But... Yet they didn't get it done last week against the Miami team that I know they've won five in a row, but they've been doing it uh, with really smoke and mirrors. I don't think that that team is very good, but yet the Giants couldn't do anything against them. They lost 20-9, to only had 3.9 yards of play. Miami, for their part, only had 4.4. So that tells you that that Miami team really didn't play that well, and yet they won by 11 over the Giants and covered pretty much every number. Went from four to, like, six six and a half and even seven at the close once it was uh, revealed that daniel jones was officially not going to be able to go so you're already are getting the tax and having to pay the tax i think if you're going to lay the chargers and really what you saw last week with that chargers game at cincinnati they were up and down like if you if you watch that game early on they were up 24 to nothing and then what did the chargers do they went chargery they found a way to make this game competitive i mean you know, it, it's like a noun, basically, on the social media because that's what the Chargers do. It's like it's every Chargers game for the last 15 years. Somehow it's going to be a close game when it looks all but decided. And Cincinnati came back and almost tied that game in the third quarter, failed on the two-point conversion. Then that fumble return uh, from Joe Mixon put it on the deck. The uh, Chargers returned it, Campbell. So they put that game to bed, I think, right then and there. But you are already pain if you're going to lay the chargers here the total obviously is dropping 46 and a half was really the look ahead opener now down to 44 and a half 
probably still will go at least a tad further to the under once it's officially announced that Jake Fromm might be going on Sunday. Right. I was going to ask you about that because I think I liked an underplay here, and I'm wondering if I should grab it now if there's going to be movement. Well, one way you maybe could look at it, depending on your shop, because not every shop is going to put out first half totals early in the week or first half sides, but there right. are some out there right now. So if you look, 22 and a half basically is the market number. I could see maybe early on a conservative game plan from now the new offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, because remember, Jason Garrett got left go, let go a couple weeks ago in New York as the offensive coordinator. But, I mean, this Giants team, really, Danielle, they, they look DOA. Now, sometimes you get these bad teams and they'll put together, like, a really good effort, like, every two or three weeks. Like, that's what Jacksonville does. They didn't do it last week against the Rams, but every three or four weeks they'll put a good effort together. They're not like the Lions, who actually have been competitive every single week for, like, the last four weeks. So that's where the danger is with some of these bad teams. But I, I can't lay 10 in the hook with the Chargers here. They're just – they're too inconsistent for me. Right. A team that really covers a lot of big numbers as favorites. They do have the Chiefs on a short week on Thursday, uh, December 16th. So, obviously, that is a huge game because those are the two top teams right now in the AFC West. And you have Denver and the Las Vegas Raiders that are a couple games back at the Chiefs. They're kind of feeling like they're just hanging on here at the end of the season, whereas the Chargers – still obviously in the mix and they did beat Kansas City in the opener in week one on the road so you know this this to me just looks like a little bit of a dead game for the Chargers where it's like okay fellas let's just try to get through this as best mm -hmm. we can and then move on from there and get ready for the Chiefs on Thursday so if I had to make a bet on this game in terms of the side I'd bet the Giants but I would do that with a lot of hesitation. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. And that 10.5, it's not tempting for the Giants, and I certainly don't want to take a double-digit spread with the Chargers at this moment. But you did mention the first half number, so what do you think of first half under 22.5? That's on Bet Rivers right now, minus 109. No, I, I actually think that that makes a lot of sense here because you may have, you know, if you have Brom, obviously this is going to be his first reps as an NFL quarterback. And... You know, you got to take a conservative game plan, a lot of short throws, try to run the ball against Joey Bosa in this Chargers front and see what you can do from there. But I, the Giants, when you look at them offensively, too, they have been banged up all year. You don't know what receivers are going to play for this team week to week. We know Saquon is back, but he had I feel like that was last year, too, though, right? Yeah, it's like the same thing with these guys because uh, Kadarius Tony's got a quad issue. And he missed last week. Sterling Shepard has a quad issue. It's really been the same song, different verse, as you said, for the Giants in terms of a Ugh. lot of these receivers being hurt. Now, Joey Bosa, that's another injury to look at, left the mm -hmm. game last Sunday with a head injury. So he's got a kind of clear protocol. Asante Samuel missed last week. Now, Keenan Allen, I believe, yesterday just went on the COVID-19 list. So he had a couple touchdowns, actually, on Sunday. So... That's not good for the Chargers. Uh, th th this is a really, really tough call. I wish I had more of a definitive opinion, but that 22 and a half in the first half under makes sense. 
Well, I have to say, Wes, you've not gotten me excited for Sunday because I will be on the green zone with you this Sunday, and this is the game that I will be on. So uh, not it, looking forward to it now. Well, well, well you, had the, uh, you had the Dolphins <laughs> and the Texans, which was about one of the worst games ever. I hey, I won, I won money in that game, though, Wes. Yeah, you did. Live betting. And that's what made it worth it uh, for three <laughs> hours of absolute misery and hell in that game. I felt bad for you because it was like, hey, cool, Danielle is joining the show on Sunday. <laughs> oh, we have her on Dolphins, Texans, and I kept having to go to you. I was like, okay, how many turnovers, Danielle, are we at now in this game? I think they, yeah, I just had my whiteboard out, was putting tick marks, you know, making a cup of tea, enjoying myself. Yeah, they had like nine combined in that game and just a terrible game. And like I said, going back to the Dolphins, the Dolphins are winning those awful games. And they're just yeah. these games with smoke and mirrors. So I don't know if I really trust this team. I think uh, now you can't really fade them this week because they're one of the four teams on a bye week. But God, I don't know how that team is six and seven, but there they are. Yeah, so hopefully I'm in for something a little bit better than uh, Texans-Dolphins was. But Giants at Chargers on Sunday, we will see. I want to talk to you about the Monday night football game, too, of course. The Rams at the Cardinals. Not the first time these two teams have met. They saw each other in week four. The Cardinals gave them a whooping, a 37-20. to 20. And now the Cards lead the NFC. They're a 10-2 and two team. The Rams are now 8-4. and four. They do hold a two-game lead over the 49ers in third. So something kind of in the mix there. I see them at plus 650 to win the NFC right now. Cardinals at plus 350 on Bet Rivers. And for this game, the Cardinals are 2.5-point favorites on Bet Rivers right now and total sitting at 51.5. I've seen threes in some spots as well. What do you think of this one, Wes? Yeah, and obviously try to take a three if you can. I think this is going to probably be a two-way action type of game when you look at it because, look, I the Rams were my pick for the Super Bowl. I bet them 14-1 to in the summer. I picked them to get out of the NFC, and all of a sudden, you know, they have a chance to kind of, you know, they've made us look like fools. Those of Well, us Wes, let me ask, what made you want to make that futures bet? Like, what were you banking on? For the Rams. Well, a lot of it was, I think, that they are well-coached. I think, mm -hmm. I thought Matthew Stafford going to a team with a little bit more talent at receiver, and they do have talent at receiver with Cobb and with That's Jeff come true. And yeah. with Beckham. Now, obviously, Robert Woods out for the rest of the season. That's the reason why they brought OBJ into that fold. But a lot of talent on the defense. Obviously, the best de defender in all of the NFL and Aaron Donald. You have him, then you have Ramsey. So, and I felt that the Rams, look, they don't have hardly any draft picks over the next couple of years. They're going for it now. They know their window of opportunity is either 2021 or 2022. So I thought, okay, Matthew Stafford finally, and I've always been more of a, of a Stafford backer because yeah. I've seen him up close play. And maybe I'm, I'm deluded because I saw him when he was a member of the Lions and he came in to Colts training camp because they do like these little scrimmages before they play the preseason game. And I got a pass there from a buddy of mine that worked for the Colts organization. And so I'm right on the sidelines field level and watching Matthew Stafford just sling that ball and do it with authority. I mean, this guy not only has a rocket arm, but he throws hard. And, and I just thought, Man, I wish the Colts had a quarterback like that. They could sling that ball all <laughs> over the field, and I was so impressed with him. And if you didn't know already, by the way, Wes is from Indiana. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I put a put a nickel in the jar for that every time I mentioned the state. But uh, 
and, and and I saw Matt Stafford, and I'm like, why doesn't he win more? And then I was like, okay, he's playing for the Lions, and he's always yeah. playing from behind. And he's yeah. had a defense that could get, you know, three and outs and get stops and get tap outs. He does have that with the Rams here, but this is a team, obviously, Danielle, that I think has left us wanting more pretty much mm-hmm. season. They started out really well, started out hot, nice win on primetime against the Bears, but – to quote uh, a famous quote, the Bears are who we thought they were. And that's exactly <laughs> what they were against the Rams. So the Rams start out 3-0, and and they beat Tom Brady, and they beat the Super Bowl champions. It's like, here we go, Rams. Okay, this is the team we thought we were going to get. And then that very following week, Arizona went in and absolutely whacked them in week four, 37-20. And, you know, the Rams kind of hit that lull in the middle of the season. I think starting in November, it was a November not to remember in the fact that they had those two interception returns for touchdowns that lost to Tennessee on Sunday night. Then the very following week, they got crushed by the 49ers. And then they went to Green Bay off a bye week and lost. So now it's like, okay, the Rams are bottoming out in the market here. But they got right against Jacksonville on Sunday. And really, we've seen that with the Rams all year. They beat the hell out of really bad opponents. They did it to... Uh, the Texans on the road. I think the Texans got in the back door late after the Rams were leading 38 to nothing. And, you know, they didn't cover against Detroit, but Detroit threw like every trick play possible they could at this team. So they've beaten up on kind of the uh, the little sisters of the poor here, but they really <laughs> haven't beaten a lot of the elite teams. And now this is their chance. You know, this is really the put up or shut up game for the Rams. Absolutely. Like, okay. Are you guys a contender or are you a pretender? And I still lean to them being a contender. I know there's some people that have given up on the Rams because, look, we all become prisoners of the moment, right, when when there's a loss and then it's like, okay, you know, this team's not very good and we tend to overreact a little bit. But I, I do like them in this scenario. And, look, it's going against a dangerous team against Arizona. Because well, of- this is what I wanted to ask you, right? Yeah. So, obviously, the Rams offense, we know it works well. I think you were dead on in knowing that once Matthew Stafford got some good receivers, he was going to be able to put up numbers. He's always put up numbers, really, but now actually able to get some more wins in the win column. Uh, but... We look at the Cardinals offense and Kyler Murray. He's been great. He returned, of course, last week, 123 yards passing, only attempted 15 passes, but two of those were touchdowns. You could almost say that the Cardinals defense won this game for them. Four interceptions by four different players. One was returned for 77 yards and three sacks. So they're doing it on both sides of the ball. The Rams have the capability to do that as well. So when I look at a total like 52, 51 and a half here, it makes me kind of wonder Yes, both of these offenses are really strong, but perhaps this could be an under game or this be something you would not even want to touch. No, I would certainly lean that way. And it might be like an in-play or an in-game for me from that point. You're right about Arizona. Look, they'd come off the bye week. Kyler Murray was just getting back against Chicago last weekend. But what we have seen with these quarterbacks that have missed multiple games, whether it's an injury or COVID or what have you, We've seen it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with Lamar Jackson. We saw it with Dak Prescott. These guys are rusty in their first start back. And yet Kyler Murray kind of put a kibosh to that. And 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 they were ready to play from the get-go. I was actually very surprised to see them get away from the Bears so much. And Murray really didn't have to do very much. 11 to 15, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, 
Also looked solid scrambling, uh, ran for two touchdowns, 59 yards. It was really the Bears, I think. The Bears turned it over early in their own territory, and Arizona got two quick scores in the first quarter. And then you just knew that the Bears did not have the offense. They don't have the offense to play from behind. I don't care whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, a quarterback, because they don't have the offensive line that can protect these guys. Haven't had so for a couple years up in Chicago. So you saw Arizona, I think, relatively comfortable win. And uh, I was I was actually a little bit impressed by them because that is such a rotten spot. It was not very good weather. But and the numbers don't look really pleasing either because they only had five yards of play, 257 yards. The Bears dominated time of possession. But when you turn it over four times, you're not going to win many football games. So that's why I kind of think a little bit why you're seeing at least some early market movement on the Rams where those threes on Arizona that are out there are now what I call weak threes where they're juiced to that Ram side, you know, three, even mm-hmm. three minus a dollar five. You mentioned Bet Rivers, two and a half uh, with some juice on Arizona, obviously, through that key number. So I kind of think maybe some of the early, I guess if you want to call it pros versus Joes type of play have been on the Rams because I think people are looking at those Arizona numbers where it's like they just got fat and happy off turnovers, a plus four turnover margin here, really, where it didn't have to do a lot offensively. And you got to think in a game like this, Monday night, against a fellow division competitor and against a contender in the NFC, they're going to have to do a little bit more. So I do like the Rams at plus three. Yeah, I know. I'm like almost tempted to put them in a teaser weirdly just because I'm that nervous about it. But uh, really just because of Arizona, how they played so far, I don't really have any reason to believe that Arizona isn't going to play well. Uh, So I do think that they're going to be fighting, fighting back and forth like a rock fight here. They're going to be fighting tooth and nail, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I think to your point on a teaser, if it's two and a half or if it's three, you can tease that up through the three and the seven. That's a really good teaser angle, mm-hmm. I think, in this game. And you do have some teasable games out there. And when I recommend teasers, I don't think they always have to be those Stanford Wong key number teasers. But Oh, I, interesting, because I, that's that's what a lot of people say. Well, I think that they have the most value, to be fair. Sure. But, I mean, look, I, I don't yeah, – I mean, certain numbers I don't recommend teasing. I don't recommend teasing through zero because I think that you lose value because you have numbers that a score can't land on necessarily. And, you yeah. know, let's say you get a tie score or a rare tie in the NFL, ties lose on teasers. So that's why there's no value there. But I do think the long teasers are the best, but that doesn't mean – you know, you can't tease like a four-point underdog up to like 10 and a half or something like that. So you're not going through three, but you're at least going through one key number at like seven or at like 10. But if you look at those long teaser options, obviously, I think Denver's going to get used now that it's seven and a half down to one and a half. I think Seattle probably on the road is going to get used because who the hell would want to lay seven and a half on the road with Seattle even against Houston, I kind of felt like last week was Seattle's big effort. Now they might be a team to bet on down the stretch. Uh, Browns, I think, are going to be teased up uh, through the two and a half all the way up to like eight and a half. So there's a lot of options, I think, to put with your Rams leg in this teaser. Well, that's exactly what I want to hear because I want to get back on the teaser train this week, even though the Vikings messed up not one, but two of my teasers last week. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a tough beat. Actually, <laughs> at least you laid, were smart enough to do it with the teaser. I actually laid it was something I rarely do, Danielle. I rarely lay divisional road favorites in this mm. league, even against bad teams like Detroit. And I did it with Minnesota because I was like, okay, Detroit has had so many close calls in a row. And what we've seen throughout the season is when they have that close call, then they run into a wall the very next week, and then Philadelphia goes and like beats them 44 to six at home. So I thought maybe that was going to happen, but Minnesota, an absolutely putrid performance. So now I got to debate to see if I have the stomach to maybe lay them on Thursday night when nobody else wants them. And those are sometimes my favorite plays, Danielle, even though I have a reputation for being an underdog player. I like those favorites that nobody wants. The the yeah. favorites are usually my favorite plays. So I'm going to try to see if I've got the gumption for Thursday night. Uh, well, I applaud you for doing it because that is, it's like the middle child almost, the favorite that nobody wants. Um, but <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, Wes. For those who don't know, Wes, Wes had to go to the dentist today and he still hopped on to talk. So I appreciate him here uh, coming on. You can find him on Betting Across America, the Green Zone. That's on Sundays, 10 to 5 p.m. We'll both be on there actually on Sunday. I'll be doing the Chargers and Giants game. So come suffer with me. Uh, but thank you to Wes. Yeah, looking forward to it, Danielle. Thanks for having me. All right, coming up, USC football Ugh, had an abysmal injury-ridden loss of a head coach season, but their future is looking bright. We'll bring in Chris Trevino to talk all about it next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to betrivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House. The VSIN Midseason Football Special is here. Put the VSIN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24 7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in depth data and analysis on vsin.com. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Very excited to welcome in our next guest. First time on the pod here, Chris Trevino, USC writer for uscfootball.com and recruiting for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Chris N. Trevino. Chris, thanks so much for making some time today. Thank you for reaching out and having me on the show. You are I believe just the second out of network podcast that I've done. So I'm excited to be wow. here and get my brand out there. Yeah, well, we absolutely are so excited to have you here. I told you before we started recording, I had the hardest time getting USC guests, and I can't imagine why. I know that I'm a big UCLA homer, but it has been really tough for me getting a USC guest on here, and I'm, I'm really nice, I swear, guys. I'm nice to all. I'm even wearing red right now. If you're just listening to the audio, I did wear red for this interview, so I thought that was like a little sign of good faith here. So uh, we're going to talk about USC football here. 
really, really tough season for them this year, as I'm sure you know covering it. The Trojans finished 4-8 and eight this season, the team's worst record in 30 years. Last time was before I was born, 1991. They were 3-8. and eight. They only had three wins this season after Coach Clay Helton was fired. Obviously, Dante Williams came in, took over, but it just did not go well. They lost Drake London midseason. What was your experience like covering USC football this past season? Yeah, so I've been covering the team since... 2016 you know there were some some good seasons in there but for the last couple years it's been a struggle just with the product they put on the field you know inconsistent underperforming teams and obviously this felt like it culminated with this season just because so much was going on you know you fire Helton in week two that felt like 10 years ago that's how long this season felt for us you know so much was going on the offense was struggling the defense was getting worse week by week you know you had this bright star in Drake London who felt like the only reason why you wanted to watch this team and fans were coming to watch this team and then he, you lost him in the middle of the season so it was just it was just so much going on so much it was emotionally draining for the players you could see it on their face and it was just a tough team to follow and, and talk to week to week just because you felt this is a team in transition it happened so early the firing so it just felt like a team in limbo and they were just trying to push through it all and you know that was just a, a difficult thing to cover just because there wasn't a lot of positive in in this season and obviously that all came at the end with the new transition to Lincoln Riley. But just in the season, it was just a tough thing to swallow for the team and, you know, for media because there wasn't a lot of uh, fan interaction or, or happiness going on. It just felt like a wasted season uh, for the players and, and fans. Absolutely. It was calamity after calamity. And I know their quarterback situation was also tough at the end there. They had backup quarterbacks playing and then they got to their third string, I think, by the end there in that Cal game last weekend. So really, really tough time for them, obviously. And you mentioned that you've been covering this team for a couple of years and you mentioned there was less fan engagement. What was it like, you know, at the Coliseum this year? Were there not a lot of fans? I have to assume that's kind of what I was seeing on social media. Yeah, absolutely. That was just sort of a big theme that's been happening the last, you know, ever since uh, USC won the Pac-12 championship, I believe that was 2017. Um, but you just saw like a noticeable drop in fan interaction and appreciation and just attending the games overall. I mean, we would take photos and send out tweets, you know, 20 minutes before kickoff and it'd be like very dead. It would just be like yeah. not a lot of people. That's, that's not something you're used to seeing in the Coliseum, such a historic college uh, football venue you're used to seeing it like jammed packed filled to the walls people still trying to get in uh with like right before kickoff that that's the feeling you're used to but it just hasn't been that scene in a long long time well i think that one thing is definitely going to get people back in the stadium here is as you mentioned the hiring of former oklahoma head coach lincoln riley now usc's head coach he's going to try to get this program back on the map he's been hard at work actually in his first two weeks it looks like a lot of people have talked about his recruiting chops which i definitely want to ask you about but he's also bringing a lot of coaches with him apparently from oklahoma this is from bruce feldman on twitter he's expected to bring ou assistant coach roy manning uh jamar kane also kane has coached in the pac-12 he has a lot of West Coast ties, so he's a huge recruiter really here. And he already brought in defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, receivers coach Dennis Simmons with him from Oklahoma. So what was kind of your reaction so far uh, when you've heard that Lincoln Riley was coming to coach at USC? Yeah, just first reaction, it was just like a bombshell. It was like a tidal wave. It was like a, it just every like giant explosion that you could think of. That's what it felt like, you know, just sending this reverberation throughout college football. 
I think there was probably maybe four people in the world that initially knew that Lincoln Riley was going to be the next head coach. And then when it just started to leak or break on a Sunday morning, you know, I, I think a lot of people were like, this just seems out of nowhere, you know, because there was a, a, a narrative in the last couple of days before that, that, you know, USC had been missing out on some of their top targets, you know, Matt Campbell, Dave Aranda, Luke Fickle, apparently, you know, said, turn them down, you know, he's focusing on a college football playoff. So USC fans were scrambling. And, you know, if you check our message board, it was like the world was on fire to them. They just like, oh, who are we going to get? Everyone's turning us down. USC doesn't care about football. And then obviously they make the biggest splash hire that anyone could have imagined, you know, poaching a blue blood coach to another blue blood, which doesn't happen in this day and age. And it's already happened a couple times already, you know, with Brian Kelly going to LSU and stuff like that. So it's it's definitely set up a new dynamic with coaches. And just, I was overwhelmed initially just from my personal uh, feelings towards it when it happened, you know, when it broke, it was just, you. I don't think anyone really thought that USC would, could pull off a move like this. And, you know, hats off to the administration. Lincoln Riley was number one on their board and they went out and got their guy. And it's definitely changed the landscape of college football and Pac and the Pac-12 as well and the power on the West Coast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's exactly what you said. It was this huge, splashy hire, which is so in the style of USC, in my opinion. Uh, and it was really shocking, I think, to a lot of Oklahoma fans. It was out of nowhere. They were putting up signs in their town, writing things, trader, things like that. So it was a really big shock to the college football scene. A lot of people were speculating why he would want to leave. Obviously, Oklahoma headed to the SEC. Uh but some of it, I think, from what I saw, too, I've read, he likely took this job because he kind of saw maybe a looser administration with USC as well than the one he had at University of Oklahoma. And then, of course, you cannot overlook the contract. And, of course, USC, private school, they don't have to release this. But from what we've seen speculative-wise of what they did, supposedly bought out both his houses in Norman, bought him a house here. Unlimited use of the private jet is something I saw on that list and just a ton of money, of course. What did you think of the terms, you know, the contract? Were you surprised that he would want to come to a program like this from Oklahoma? Uh, no, I don't. I, I'm not surprised just because if you, if you, in his presser or you listen to the Riley talk, you can tell he sort of has a personality that you think that would fit uh, with, you know, a style of, you know, USC, you know, he, he's funny, he's charismatic, he's personable, you know, he comes from a small Texas town, but the, those kind of traits can carry you anywhere. And I, I think that fits perfectly uh, with USC. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not calling him flashy or anything, but, you know, he's a small town Texas boy, but he does have that personality, that humor, the ability to make he's a charismatic, quick charismatic. Yeah. yeah, he's flashy, he's a good looking guy, you know, he works with a USC. And, you know, coming from Norman, Oklahoma to USC that's a big transition in terms of you know environment and he kind of said you know a big part of this was for his family you know he he wanted them to experience new things um you know like I said USC is very different has a lot of things to offer just Los Angeles and S Southern California in general um no offense to Norman Oklahoma but there's a lot more opportunities to do things in Los Angeles so you know giving his daughter something to experience like that I think that was a big uh big reason for it and you also have to think you know, Lincoln Riley, maybe I've, I've heard this being talked about how Lincoln Riley maybe wanted to make his own, build something on his own. You know, he inherited an Oklahoma program from right. Coach Stoops. You know, that was something, Stoops built it or built it up, gave him, gave him the keys to this engine. You know, he just took it over. But now he has the opportunity to do something, you know, even more legacy building. And that's re rebuilding USC, bringing USC back um, 
to prominence, back to the national stage, getting it back to where it's supposed to be, right there at the top with all the other college programs. You know, at Oklahoma, he had a nice uh, a Porsche that was given to him. It was all clean and everything. And then he's going to USC to get his hands dirty. You know, it's it's a broken down Ferrari. It's got deaths on it. I thought that's you meant they actually gave him a Porsche no, because no, no, that's no, just no. like what we do for college coaches now. <laughs> I'm not surprised that they did give him a Porsche, but I don't think that happened. But in the now he's coming he's... to LA and he's getting a literal Porsche, but yeah. he has to build the team. Yeah, he's got to build. He needs a new engine. It's, it's dirty. It's dusty. He's got to he's got to do all those things to to fix it right. up. So I think you know. Coaches love building things. You know, they like building that foundation. It's, it's a challenge for them. They like that challenge of building a program. So I think that 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 also tied into, you know, the decision to to make the move. Yeah, absolutely. And I like your point that you made about for his family as well, as people forget that these are family men and uh, they are going to get to experience new things. First things come to mind for me, avocado toast, parking tickets, things <laughs> of that nature. So... <laughs> Lots on the horizon for them, obviously. I'm sure they're very excited to get out here. I know that they looked excited getting off of the jet. Uh, we mentioned recruiting here, too, so I want to ask you about this because one of the shared reactions about this hiring from everybody was, wow, he's a great recruiter. He's going to come in. And it's interesting because we know USC's program historically has recruited well. It's Los Angeles. And on top of that, they've always been able to recruit this really flashy, especially skill talent positions. Uh, so Coach Riley, USC staff, already have a recruit on campus this week. I saw uh, one of the nation's top pass rushers. He got on campus on Monday. He's a five-star edge, All-American Bowl selection, Marvin Jones Jr. So that's just one example. Uh, I know that some players who were committed to Oklahoma dropped their commitment. I know some players at USC have decided not to continue in the program. I think I only saw four players leaving and a coach. So a little bit of attrition, but it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly can he make an impact here and what do you think of his recruiting? Yeah, like you just mentioned, a lot going on in the last, like, 48 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. I'm sure he's, you know, spinning a bunch of plates trying to, you know, <laughs> handle, you know, talking to current players about the roster turnover and stuff like that, like evaluating players. He's also hosting all these all these recruits. He's also, you know, probably looking at the transfer portal, too, because that's probably where we're going to have to bring in some, some players to help. When you have a lot of players leave, you're going to need some older players to help transition that. But, yeah, his... His recruiting has been insane in just the the week or so that he's been doing this. I don't know where he's finding time to sleep, uh, <laughs> but he this past week they hosted a who's who of big time California recruits on campus. You know Malachi Nelson, the five star recruit that he flipped from Oklahoma. Makai Lemon, he also flipped from Oklahoma, was there. But you also had C.J. Williams, the Notre Dame commit. He was on campus. Elias Ricks, the LSU cornerback transfer, the number one transfer prospect uh, in the country. He took his official visit this weekend. Relique Brown uh, was also on campus, the Oklahoma running back that they they flipped from Oklahoma. Just Mason Graham, the Michigan commit, defensive lineman from Servite, he was there. So just so many California players were on campus for a little, like, uh, meet and greet, unofficial visit uh, with the coaches and the coaching staff that's already been in place. So that was a big deal for them. And then, obviously, like you said, they just landed Marvin Jones for a visit. So I'm not sure. I'm sure that's not going to be the last person that decides to take a last-minute official visit because this is the last weekend for official visits, the December 10th, and we're expecting mm -hmm. a big group of people coming in because this is the the one chance Lincoln has to make a big impression with the early signing period coming up so quickly. Um, so he's got to work, work, work. Um, and so far, he's he's doing what he promised and and you know, bringing kids on campus, putting up a fence around California, showing these guys early on what he what what he's going to do with USC. 
Absolutely. And a program he's competing with just because of the location really is, of course, UCLA and there's the rivalry going on there. So I think that this is obviously as a UCLA fan and from the people that I know, UCLA is terrified of this, right? Because it's nice to have a charismatic coach come into Los Angeles who's, you know, maybe going to be a little nicer to the media and is also really excited and hitting the ground running with the recruiting here. So I guess my question is, what do you think this is going to look like for USC in the immediate future next year? Do you think this is immediately going to have an impact? Like on the team? Yeah. For USC, do you think that they're going to look different right away? Uh, yeah, I, I would expect them to, one, make a bowl next season. They're not going to – it's not going to be like last year. I think there will be some, obviously, transition with Lincoln Riley and the staff. But I think you have enough – players in the area that you can recruit for this 2022 cycle to help you out there. The big question will be on the offensive line and the defensive line. USC has been very, very thin there. You know, mm -hmm. some of the talent they've been able to bring in the last couple of cycles hasn't been up to, you know, the top standard that USC has recruited in the past, especially offensive linemen. They have a very veteran offensive line that, you know, a lot of them have the decision to make if they want to come back for another season. Jalen McKenzie already opted to turn pro, so that's their starting right tackle who's gone. Um, they have a left tackle who has another season uh, of a eligibility if he wants it, so he has that decision to make. But it could be a, a struggle for them to fill bodies depth-wise on the offensive line. That's going to be the key for them, I believe. But if you can sign a couple top freshman offensive tackles, you know, you have a big selling point there. Like, we need bodies. You can play early in the system. So they're going to be fine with skilled players. You know, they have a, a young, talented quarterback in Jackson Dart. You know, they'll figure it out on defense. But in the trenches, they really need to get some bodies in there. But if they do that, and I think they can, especially with the transfer portal, Riley is really good at recruiting the transfer portal, as he showed in Oklahoma. So mm -hmm. if you can get a couple of those guys to come, I think you can be fine. You can get that eight-win season mark. You can that, that'd, be a, that'd be a big win for Lincoln in his first season. And, you know, it's the Pac-12. USC has traditionally beat up on the Pac-12. So it's not crazy to think that they could go in there, challenge for the Pac-12 South in their first year. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, unfortunately for me as a UCLA fan. But yes, I absolutely agree that that is what it looks like here. It looks like the future is very bright for this USC program. Um, but, you know, Riley's time in Oklahoma, four Big 12 titles, three appearances in the college football playoff. Those did end with losses in the semifinals. But that's the kind of prominence that USC wants to return to. So I, I completely agree with you. It could be immediate. Right, and I know people point to, you know, oh, Lincoln Riley's never won in the college football playoff. Lincoln Riley has never, you know, won a national championship. But think about it like this. If you, in college football, so many things in a game can go your way or go not your way. You know, a tip pass, uh, a turnover, a penalty. There's these little things that determine the outcome of a game. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't go your way. Sometimes it does, and you can, you know, you have that run to get all the way to the college football playoff, get to the, to the national championship. But if you just keep putting out good teams on the field, at some point it's going to go your way. You're going to get those breaks. You're going to get those runs. You're going to get those tiny little plays that go your way. And Lincoln Riley has that opportunity in the Pac-12 because, you know, he doesn't have a – he's not going to have SEC-type opponents in the Pac-12, which Oklahoma will be going to. He's not going to have to get past, you know, a lot of more talented – a lot of talented teams in the Big 12 – no offense to the Pac-12, no offense to your UCLA Bruins, but I'm sure <laughs> Lincoln was looking at who he has in the Pac-12 and he thinks, yeah. I can get through those guys a lot easier than I can get through the Big 12 or the SEC. So he's got a better chance to put out consistently good teams and consistently get to the college football playoff. 
just by going through the Pac-12 schedule, going through the Pac-12 South, and winning the conference championship. And Oregon has their transition, too, so that even looks better for him just, you know, looking up in the north. So if you just keep putting out good teams, you're going to break through one of these times. You're going to have that run to get to the national championship and even win the national championship. So it's just a lot easier of a path for him in the Pac-12 um, than it is in the SEC or the Big 12. Again, no offense to your UCLA Bruins. No, I mean, I can be objective here. And this, I mean, as much as I love being a fan, I bet against UCLA a couple times this season. And it actually worked to my benefit. So that is the thing about, there you go. obviously, sports betting. And I like what you said there, too, is there's so many little things like a tip or a this or whatever. And we know about that very well if you engage in sports betting at all. Um, so it's something that's very relatable there. But I think you're right. The Pac-12 is going to be a lot easier path for him. And I think that USC is set up for a good spot here. But I do think, as you said, expectations very high here and i like your bold prediction here bowl game for usc next season so i appreciate you coming on sharing all of your insights thank you to chris trevino usc writer for uscfootball.com and recruiting for 24 7 sports follow him on twitter at chris and trevino thanks so much chris thank you it was a joy all right. Thanks so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please subscribe, follow, tweet at us, Chris or me, whichever. Feel free to tweet at Danielle Alvari. I'll be back for more fun and games on Friday's show. So come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.